Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, We've been looking at places uh, in the Gospels where folks uh, argue with Jesus. And uh, when I thought about um, preaching through arguments like this, the story that we're going to look at this morning uh, was the first one that came into my mind. Um, It also happens to be a pretty difficult one to understand. Jesus doesn't say or do in this story what we expect him to say or to do. It is confusing and it is disorienting and I think that that is part of the point. And Matthew, the gospel writer, he drags the telling of this story out. At first you you feel compassion and then you're surprised and then you're confused and then finally you feel relief and even joy at the end. So I'm going to read from Matthew 15 for us. I'll read verses 21 through 28. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is God's word, and it's given for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask now that you would um, meet us in this word that we've read together, that we've heard together, that we're going to talk about for a few minutes together, that you would meet us in this word in whatever places we find ourselves this morning, and that you would show us the grace of Jesus again, and that you would change us by it. And we ask it in his name. Amen. Uh, Well, about... Uh, 15 years ago, uh, I was in a, a minor car accident here at uh, Damon and Webster. Uh, it, was a, it was a weird situation. I had just turned left uh, to head north onto Damon Avenue, and the car in front of me just stopped and then started backing up into me. So, of course, we, we collided. Uh, and that was weird, but that was not the only thing that was off that morning. Uh, the car Uh, that hit me did not belong to the person who was driving it. The person who was driving it didn't have any insurance or any registration information for that car. And they were um, also pretty uh, vituperative to me and to the police who showed up that morning. Um, But we ended up at the police station together, uh, side by side, filling out a report. And when the policeman finished with the report and handed it back to both of us, Uh, I glanced at it and I noticed that my phone number 
was wrong on the report. And so I said, hey, you know, you've gotten my phone number wrong on the report. And he just ignored me. Uh, like I hadn't even said anything. Well, I knew that he heard me, right? I knew that he could hear me. And so uh, I started to loudly say my phone number again. It's seven, seven, you know, told him my number again. And that's when he looked up at me. And he didn't say a word. He just gave me a very specific look. And his eyes said to me, stop talking now, dummy. But I still didn't get it. I didn't know exactly what was going on. And I started to correct him again. I started to ask him to change it again. And then the force of his look finally hit me. He was uh, doing me a favor. He had written down my phone number wrong on purpose. So that the person who was standing there beside me, who had been really pretty jerky to everyone that morning, would not be able to call me later. I thought that he did not care. I thought that he was ignoring me. But he was, in his own way, looking out for me. And thinking about a shift like that this week has helped me um, to think more about this story that we just read together because there is a shift that happens in that story too. There is such a relief when we come to the final line of that story because that's what we expected to happen all along. You know, at the end, that's, that's the Jesus that we thought we knew, and that's the Jesus, if we're being honest, that we all desperately need. But what happened along the way? You know, why is he so obtuse with her? Why does this woman have to keep pressing into Jesus? Well, this is a story uh, about holding on to the word. It is a story about holding on to the promise, even when it seems like that doesn't make sense. And so uh, this is a story for all of us. So here's how Matthew sets it up. He says, Jesus withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out. So this is a region that is way to the north of Israel. It is way outside of the borders of Israel. Jesus has left his, his home base in Galilee, and he's gone to this land that is considered hostile and unclean. It is a hostile place, and the people of Israel uh, knew it. And Matthew doesn't tell us why Jesus went there, but he gives us a clue, I think. Right before this, um, Jesus has just taught that the things that defile us never come from the outside. He says those things that defile us are already in us. Last week, Pastor Dan talked with us about that argument that Jesus had that was about that same kind of thing. If You might, you might remember that um, folks were upset that Jesus ate with all of the wrong people, all these unclean people. And Jesus told them, you're missing the point. <laughs> I need to eat with people who need to be made new and forgiven. That's who I'm here for. And so you have to wonder if uh, there's no better way to make what he has just taught about clean and unclean stick than to go to one of the places that people would have considered really dangerous and unclean and to see what happens. And just like that, someone who needs help appears.
Matthew says that she is a Canaanite, which is his way of saying that she is a descendant, uh, an ancient descendant of these inveterate enemies of God's people. And this woman comes with the particular and excruciating kind of pain that only a parent can feel. Her, her daughter is suffering. And so she cries out from that pain, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. <laughs> now we, we don't have any idea how, we don't have any clue how, but somehow this woman knows about Jesus. She knows who he is. She somehow knows how he is graciously inclined towards people like her. And so she asks him for help. But he did not answer her a word. Her cry for help is met with silence. And it is sudden and it's unsettling. It's, it's not at all what we would expect. Chrysostom, who was a, a fourth century church father, um, I think he speaks for all of us in this beautiful sermon that he preached on the story when he asks, what is this new and strange thing? What is this new and strange thing? This is not the Jesus that we have come to know at this point in the story. It's not what we expect. It doesn't seem consistent. We just sang that song that Jesus' grace is an ocean vast of blessing. So what happens here? But I think if we're being honest, um, there are probably many of us here this morning, um, many of us listening to these words, who can probably relate to the woman's side of the story. You know, maybe there is this pain in our life, in, in your life, or in my life. Maybe uh, there's a loss of some kind. Maybe there's this persistent problem uh, that keeps uh, happening and it, and it never changes. Or maybe this, there's this addiction that is clinging to us. You know, this sin maybe that we can't shake, this feeling of loneliness, maybe for you it's this anger that's always below the surface and it never seems to weaken, this trauma maybe that sneaks up on us and batters us. And we cry out to God for mercy. And we cry out again and again and again for him to change it, to take it away, to make it different. And he does not answer us a word. I mean, if you've, if you've followed Jesus for any length of time, you probably know what that feels like. It is sometimes a part of the life of faith. About a third of the Psalms are about this. They are howls for mercy into what seems like silence. They ask questions like Psalm 77, has the steadfast love of the Lord forever ceased? 
Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? And church, what I want to say um, is to be in that place, to be asking questions into the silence. It is to be in a very, very important place. And, you know, if you're in that place in your life now, or maybe you know someone who is, please hear me. You could, you could, in that silence, choose to let the clouds of doubt roll over you and darken you with anger or resignation or cynicism. And I'll tell you where those things almost always lead. They lead into unbelief. There will always be a voice that will encourage you to do that. You could do that. Or you could persist in faith. You could abide. You could remain. This woman, she knows who Jesus is, and she knows how he is inclined towards people like her. She's heard these stories of grace, and she's heard these stories of healing, even for outsiders, and she believes these stories. She believes them to be true. And she's also noticed something that's probably easy for us to miss as we hear this story, and that is that he has not said no. He didn't say no. So she persists, and she cries out so much that the disciples come to Jesus, and they beg her, please, beg him, please, you know, send her away from us. She's crying out to us. And again, when the disciples do this, Jesus doesn't even address her. He just says, into the air, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You know, which of course she knows is the case. Of course she knows that she's the one who called him the son of David. She knows who his people were. I don't know, I don't know how much theology, honestly. You know, that this beautiful, troubled mom knows. But I'll tell you that the deep thread of Scripture from the beginning of it to the end of it is that God comes to his people for the life of the whole world. (laughs) That's the ancient promise of God. That's the promise he makes to Abraham. Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your family. And through you, all of the other families of the earth are going to be blessed. Somehow, some way, she intuits or knows that that promise is being kept somehow in Jesus. She knows it. You know, yes, he he came to the sheep from his own fold, absolutely. But Jesus himself said, I I have other sheep, (laughs) and they're not part of this fold. And he still has not said no. So that's enough for her. And she persists and remains And she draws close to him finally, and she falls down, and she says, Lord, help me. And then Jesus finally speaks to her, and this is what he says. 
He says, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. I, you know, I don't know why (laughs) Jesus is doing this. I cannot say. You know, there are some people who, who read this and who suggest that what we can't see in black and white on the page, what we can't see in those words is, is Jesus' raised eyebrow. We can't see his tongue firmly planted in his cheek. And, and some would read this and suggest that that's what this all is. It's, it's a holy banter that Jesus has with this beautiful woman. It's a holy misdirection that he's having with her. And maybe that's the case, but we, we only see in part. And the part that we see is that he is hiding his grace from her. He's hiding his grace from her. Why? Why is he doing that? Well, I cannot answer that any more than I could answer why the psalmists sometimes feel the same thing or why you and I sometimes feel that same thing. But here's what I have to believe. That this is for her. That this is somehow for her good. That this is somehow for her healing that somehow this is part of her restoration. That this silence, this hiddenness, this pursuit is somehow for her and good for her in a way that it wouldn't be if it didn't happen. Because that ancient promise, that ancient promise to bring forgiveness and restoration and healing to the whole world through Jesus, it is true. Church, it is absolutely, unbreakably true. And so that's what we have to remember when we are in that same kind of spot, when we're suffering with something, when we're struggling with something, something we would like God to answer for us or change or take away or make different. And we hear not a word from him. We persist and remain in faith. Because even when our reason seems to be shaken, even when our reason seems to be battered, the gracious promise of God in Jesus is always sure. And that silence, that seeing through a glass darkly, it's for our good. I mean, we would certainly write the script differently. When when one of you come to me with a story like this and you're speaking into the silence, believe me, You know, I would change it if I could. But it would not be the best change for us. And to grow up in our faith as followers of Jesus is to cling to that, even when we'd rather do anything else. To believe that the clinging is good, even when it's in silence. And if you wonder if that's true, then just look at our beautiful mother in the faith here. (laughs) Martin Luther wrote of her, all those trials of her faith sounded more like no 
than yes. But there was more yes in them than no. I, there is only yes in them. But it is very deep and very concealed. And so here we are again, faced with the reality of the situation from her point of view. She knows who he is. She knows how he is inclined towards people just like her. And she believes and she persists in that belief because the object of her faith is... The object of her faith is more than enough. And he has given her everything that she needs. You know, she only needed like a little finger hold of faith. And he has given her more than she needs. She says, yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. And Jesus answers her with words that soar. And he gives her a commendation that is like none he has ever given to anyone before. He says, oh woman, great is your faith. All of the hiddenness fades away. All of the concealment is dropped. The pursuit is over. Be it done for you as you desire. And instantly her daughter was healed. And here's my prayer for us, church, that, that we would stand uh, beside her and look to Jesus in persistent, determined, abiding faith, no matter what is happening around us, because all of the promises of God find yes in Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask that you would help us to be a people who believe that this is true and who can stand beside this beautiful woman even in the silence, even in the hiddenness, even in this pursuit that just seems absurd to us, that seems too hard, that we would be people who remain in faith and who abide in faith because the object of that faith is more than enough. Father, do this for our own good, that we would grow up and be more mature in our faith and do this so that we would be a people through whom you can love this whole broken world. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.